Welcome to the 24 Flicks Entertainment Podcast. Get the latest in entertainment news. Listen to exciting and powerful interviews from artists, actors, directors, writers, comedians, and much, much more. Introducing your host for the show, Marty Jean-Louis. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 24 Flicks Entertainment Podcast. I have a good friend, Chris Dowling. How are you doing, buddy? What's up, bud? Well, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> You're a writer, <laughs> producer, director, right? So which came first for you and how? Um, well, you know, it was always, uh, it was always writing. Um, I always loved writing growing up, went to um, school uh, at University of Texas and took screenwriting classes, moved out to L.A. with one of my best friends. And it was like um, had a bunch of scripts, but it's so hard. I mean, it's still hard. Like, I mean, anyone that's tried to do that to, to break in, it's I mean, it's why, you know, there's probably 90 whatever. I don't, I don't know what the number is, but maybe 98 percent of people that try to do it. You know, they just can't. And then a lot of the reason is there's a barrier. It's funny. It's like <clears throat> some of the same scripts I had. True story. 20 years ago but I didn't have anything made yet. Uh, I've re sent them out to people and now they're like, Oh, these are great. And I'm like, yeah, it's the same exact script. You told me eh, it's okay. 20 years ago. So, um, so I think that's the toughest part of it. But, uh, but part of, part of that, um, is what pushed me into directing was, um, was I just figured I could get my scripts done if I also directed and I enjoyed it. Um, and, um, and then, so that's kind of the birth of the you know writer director combo, which has been great because it's obviously, there's an added value um, in the industry to be like, you know, when people are looking for writers, if you're a writer director, they, they love that because then they don't have to have the writer <laughs> deal with the director and try to figure stuff out later. It's like, great, right. we're moving right along. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, I did a short film. Um, I was acting at the time, uh, which was fun. Did, did, I had a little run on days of our lives, which is kind of cool. And um, I was Chaz, the party guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyways, and um yeah, man. And we, 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 me and my best friend put some money up, did a short film that won some awards. And from there, man, I just, you know, had a bunch of other buddies that were trying to break into the industry. And we said, Hey, what if we all put together 25 K each? Is it possible to shoot a movie for a hundred K? And it was a crazy series of events where it worked out and we got the script to Patrick Warburton and he loved it. And he didn't care that we had no money. And then he got it. To, and all of a sudden it was like Andy Dick came on board and Jason Alexander and Eric Roberts and Leah, uh, Thompson. And, um, it was just, it got, it got, it was really fun. I mean, it was, uh, in a lot of ways it was definitely, dude, I was, you know, trial by fire, just kind of thrown into my first film, but I had all these like professional actors and stuff. And I actually, I remember going to the first day to Warburton and just being like, Hey man, I pulled him aside and I was like, if I say things that are stupid or wrong or, <laughs> you know, or, or uncouth, I was like, uh, just pull me aside. Okay. You don't, and just say, Hey, you don't do it like that. And, um, but the cool thing that I've learned actually through this process and this growth is, um, if you're the director, it truly is your set and there's really no way to do it. Um, you know, right. Like somebody might do it completely differently and that's okay. So it's like one, that's very freeing. Cause like when you, that first, that first movie I was shooting, I was so nervous and so worried that I was doing it. Was I doing everything right? Was I doing this? And then now dude, it's a breeze. Like, cause it's like, Hey, you guys, this is, this is my set and we're and you know, right. and this is how I like, how I like to do it. And right. then, you know, I mean, as long as you're cool about it, like, you know, you don't want to rule with your iron <laughs> fist. This is my set. You know? uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely super low key. But I, again, the pressure's off. So, right. 
so, that was a long-winded answer. No, it's all good. It's it's all your time. So outside of people telling you no, what were some of the biggest challenges as you were trying this new career? Huh? Yeah. Um, you know, I, th I again, I think the biggest challenge is you feel helpless because there's a barrier where, um, like, I can't even to this day, like, I can't just you know, if I've got a script I love. I can't just make it happen. I don't have the money or, you know, the ability to do that. I mean, I can pitch it, I can get it out there, but someone else is always really in control. Um, if that makes sense. And when you have, when you're first starting out, it's even, that's amplified by, you know, a hundred, you know, it's exponentially harder because you don't have anything to prove and people aren't knocking on your door saying, Hey, we love your stuff. What's the next thing you want to do. And so I think that was the hardest thing was, I mean, it's one of those things where it was like, I look back and I've, I was in LA. I mean, I, I just moved to Dallas, although I'm busier than ever work-wise. And so that's, that's a blessing. But um, I was in LA for 22 years and it really took, I don't know, 15 years before wow. stuff started kind of moving. Wow. And, um, and I think that's why you have the 90, whatever, 8, 99% that, that fall off in the industry because at some point you give up and it makes sense. I'm not, and I don't even, you know, um, at some point you go, I can't do this anymore. And, um, and the people that, if you have, I think if you persevere through that and you have talent at some point, the ball will get rolling for you, especially because the same people that you were, were your peers 15 years ago and they were assistants and they were PAs and they were this, um, now they're actually running companies and they're executives and managers. And I mean, and I think that's a big help. I look around at my friends that are, that were with me, you know, in late nineties when I was out here and the ones that are left are really successful and in really high powerful positions and they're a phone call away and they love me and I love them. And so they're eager to help. You know what I mean? So yeah. like I always, I always tell people when they ask for advice, I'm like, look, man, everyone you're talking to, I mean, you should just do this just to be a good human, but like treat everybody with respect. Like that assistant that's literally working the front desk. When you go to meet with that manager, she's not there to be an assistant for the rest of her life. Like, she wants to be a manager. She might run a company one day. It's like, you just gotta, you just gotta leave good impressions on people. And that's happened. I mean, I've, I've had numerous um, connections happen where it was somebody that was a PA or um, an assistant that I gave time to and, and they, I, you know, helped them out. And then later they said, Hey, guess what? I'm now working for this person and I'm really want to introduce you or now I'm doing this. And it's like, I think that's the, you know, that's the reciprocal reciprocality is even word. That's the reciprocal. I love um, that. Uh, I love that. So for you, at what point did you say to yourself, you know what? I, I want to do this. You had that moment where, you know what? This is it for me, right? I don't want to do anything else. This is it. No matter what, I'm going to push forward. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I haven't thought about that. But I mean, I, I, I don't, th I don't honestly don't think it was like a, uh, you know, line in the sand moment. I think it was the culmination, culmination of like lots of little moments where, you know, like I said, I mean, if you told me it was going to take 15 years for me to get going, <laughs> I would have, no, honestly, yeah, honestly, I would have, I would have, my, my, my 20, 20 year old self at that point would have been like, mm, you know what? I'm going to go back and sell insurance or I'm going to go do, you know what I mean? I'm going to go do something. And by the way, I've had plenty of nights like that now that I've got a family and a, you know, family and kids and everything and I'm supporting them, you know, working in the industry. Like there's plenty of nights where I go, man, I should have just sold insurance. Um, but, uh, but I, yeah, I think it was like little incremental things where it was just like, oh, cool. And, and the other thing, and I, and I, you know, and 
it's I've, I've prayed about it a lot about, man, am I doing the right stuff or the right thing or, you know, and I always say that God has just been the great uh, carrot dangler for me where it's like, I'll be like ready to quit or be like, oh, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And then something out of the blue will be like, someone will call me like, Hey, I really like this one script. Let's try and get it done. And that might not even work out that way. It might not end up getting done, but then it's like, but it was just enough to go, okay, you're still in the game. And, um, I've had that happen many times, to be honest with you, where I was like, I'm kind of over it. Talk to my wife, I'm like, God, what do we want to do? <laughs> and then something will pop up and it's just enough for me to go, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this. Actually, I remember I was working at a star 98.7, a radio station out here. And, um, I was, uh, I, I was working in um, actually with Seacrest. Um, and then I decided I was going, you know what? I'm going to work in the sales department and get and learn that. And I, th- I guess this is a good moment. Actually, we're talking about this. And um, I actually flew to Dallas to meet with, I mean, these guys were making six figures in the sales and, um, and the sales manager really liked me and he was helping me get, find a job. And uh, I was meeting people in LA. Long story short, I got callbacks to go talk to the, the general sales manager again about jobs and I do remember that I, I ended up calling each of them and saying, you know what? I, I'm not going to do it. I've, I'm going to go make a short film instead. And they all, they all wish me well, but that, you know what? That's a good, that was a good time. That was mm-hmm. a time when I literally had flown to Dallas, taken meetings. They went amazing. And I said, I can't do it. And I made a short film. <laughs> um, and then I questioned my life for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fast forward to 2016. Actually, 2018, uh, you got a chance to uh, work with Tim Tebow. True. And yes. how did that happen? Um, well, I'd worked with uh, Darren Mormon on um, – what movies did I work with Darren Mormon on? Um, maybe I hadn't worked with Darren yet. I don't know. I knew Darren Mormon and – uh, oh, that's what it was. He, we, we had talked about, he, he liked my other films and he had talked about wanting to find something to work on together. And he called me up and said, Hey man, do you, uh, do you want to be in the Tim Tebow business? And I said, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> and, um, no, and, and he was like, man, we got this movie and it, um, you know, it needs a heavy rewrite and, um, you know, we looking for a director. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of wild cause there was a lot of people involved in that one. And, um, and it was a uphill battle in a lot of ways just to get going. Um, just cause there was, when there's that many factions, there's a lot of politics involved. But, um, but fortunately, I, I uh, rewrote the script in a way that everybody was happy. And, um, and then they saw the vision, and I obviously had a vision. And so they you know, talked to a bunch of directors, but ultimately decided to stay with me, and, I mean, which was fantastic. And, um, yeah, and I'm super happy. Other than the title, I'm super happy with the movie. The title, I still – it is uh, – gosh, I hate that title. Um, but run the race, run the race. But I, I, I lost, I lost that battle trying to get a different title. But. Can't win them all, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. And in the entertainment industry, I'm just trying to win 20%. Uh, you also work with, uh, and going back, uh, I believe in 2016, um, with, uh, for King and Country, you, you, you also helped them with Priceless, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote that one, um. That was cool too. That was, see, that was, that was, that was nice. That's when people start like, um, I guess, you know, if they appreciate your work, they reach out and there's a guy, um, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine now who's over at, um, at word named John Chapman, who works with the boys, um, the small bone boys. And he said, Hey man, they're wanting to do a movie. He had seen where hope grows. And he was like, I loved it. I think you'd be the right guy. And then, um, so I went out to Nashville, met with Joel 
And um, yeah, we decided to, you know, they kind of gave me a very broad idea of what they thought the story could be. And um, then I went back and actually and I ended up introducing them to my good buddy, Steve Barnett, who uh, ended up coming on and producing for them. So it was a cool, it was a cool, uh, it was a cool time. And, um, you know, and Ben's great and Ben Smallbone and he did a good job directing that film. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting and it's cool, man. I like doing any films that have purpose, you know, like that one dealt with sex trafficking, where hope grows deals with, uh, you know, special needs community. Um, but then two documentaries, uh, Asperger's are us and, mm-hmm. uh, on tour with Asperger's are us to deal with the special needs community. Um, you know, it's just like that. Those, those, those mean something in my book. Awesome. Awesome. Now let's talk about what you're up to now, your latest project or your most recent uh, project, The Man From Nowhere. Uh, What is that? How did that come about? Yeah, um, this one I'm insanely proud of. Um, We shot the whole movie in eight days, um, which is blistering if you know if anyone yes. is listening that knows the <laughs> movie schedule um and it, and it looks amazing i mean i would ask anyone to go check out the trailer um but uh it, it's it's fantastic and it's it's a it was a partnership my my good friend matt green is the professor um of film at uh at the master's university and every year we all do a big short film and the short films are phenomenal like they're um, they're always great and so uh he had the idea he wanted to try to pull off a feature film in eight days because they have a winter term and so they have a bunch of students that sign up to get real experience and um so you hire all the head the department heads are all you know um entertainment uh, professionals and then they have students that they're teaching so i mean we did eight days and we had student <laughs> student group it's amazing. and it sounds like when i say that if you're listening you go oh my gosh that's going to be terrible it sounds <laughs> but it looks it's sharp it is really sharp and the cool thing is it has a a story inside a story, which is a film noir. Um, and we tackled the look and the, the, the sets. And I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just super proud of it. And the score, my gosh, Grant Fonda has this amazing score in it. Um, but, um, and it's kind of cool because, and then and Nick Cersei's the lead in it. He came on, um, which was really, really a big win for us for Absolutely. our little film. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and a, and a handful of other great actors, um, that were, you know, friends and stuff. And, a lot of them were believers and just kind of were like, man, we want to do this. We had fun with it. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it, for me, it's, it's really interesting and, and equal parts scary and exciting because um, I've never, I haven't done a movie since my first film. I haven't had a film released without studio backing and big marketing dollars and right. all of that. And so we're just doing this one on our own. And we had an offer um, that we still may take for, like the AVOD um, later streaming, uh, we're, we're, we'll see. But um, we wanted to bet on ourselves, and we said, you know what, let's uh, let's put this out ourselves and and see what we can do. And so, um, response so far has been awesome. Um, and you know, it, it comes out February 9th. Uh, it'll be uh, you can get it on you know uh, Amazon or your your SVOD channels, your streaming sites, or uh, or the DVD. And um, but it's a you know it's a, a film and it's, so, it's got a lot of a lot of heart and and it's um it's got I don't know we're just really excited about it. So specifically, who is this movie for? Um, I mean, you know, we we feel like the audience, um, it, we feel like the male audience in the faith genre is underserved. Um, 
And uh, this, this our movie deals with uh, a father son with a very broken relationship. So we definitely and we've seen in the screenings like you know the grown men crying and like it's, it's been cool to see that like even we've had some sudden closure healing like it's it, that's been cool. But obviously we also find that um, you know these moms and these they they, they want to stay you know they want to see a father son um, redemption story just as much. I mean that plays with them as well. And um and so it's been great. Um, so I would say. You know, it's going to be something that a lot that we don't see a lot of, especially in the faith genre. Um, and it's it's definitely a story you don't see a lot of. Again, it's it's Nick Searcy's a New York Times bestselling author. He's on he finds out he's on his deathbed. He's got an estranged son that won't really talk to him. And so he decides to write his latest novel um, in a way that is an allegory about a, a film about a you know prohibition era detective who's searching for his son, whose son is um basically gone gone away with the gang and anyways and it um that story plays out while nick shows up at his son's house and they're trying to figure stuff out um and just kind of basically moves in um and, and you know the son does not want him to but um anyways and it all ties together the storylines start kind of bleeding into each other and i mean it's it's powerful i mean i'm not gonna lie it is a it is a powerful cool film awesome awesome so you are a producer in this film but you're also a co-writer how was it like collaborating with matt green oh it was awesome i mean matt and i i dude we he's great and um and it was really cool because um the way it happened was i think he had had like 60 pages of it and you know he's he's he was like hey can you you want you want to jump on and help me out with this of course i want to um but the coolest thing was knowing our time constraints um and our budget constraints is um i got to kind of check out what we thought we could like location wise and um and 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 kind of write for that to the point of like three weeks before we were going to go film we thought we were shooting a western instead of the film noir because in the first the first script the script we wrote was actually a western story where the father's looking for the son and then our western set went away because i don't know showtime had it or something and um (laughs) so it pushed us out so so then we quickly had to go through and find uh another more another location we found a soundstage it had some some standing sets and so I, I looked at the sets and rewrote this narrative where it's a you know prohibition air detective and i'm actually very glad we ended up having to do that man because it is like i said it plays so sharp and so cool and it gives a very stylistic look to the whole film so uh, and and I, I think i think one thing i really do enjoy about it is very character driven and to me, it feels like very much, and I always want to do this with my films, um, is it has, to me, it has more of an indie vibe than it does like a, something you, a typical faith film that you would see. And I, and I like, I like that. I like my, and I want my films to feel like that. Awesome. Awesome. So did you guys have Nick Searcy in mind for this film from the beginning? How did you get him? Yeah, Matt did. Um, Matt was like, man, Nick would be great for this. And then one of the other producers is a, a buddy of ours, John Sullivan, and he knows Nick. And so he sent the script over and <clears throat> Nick was like, yeah, man, I'll do it. It'd be cool. And so he, he came and did it. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was like it was that easy. I mean, and that's what that's what it takes, especially in this budget um, level is it's, it, they're all favors. It's all like calling people and being like, hey, <laughs> right. uh, you know. <laughs> You want to come do this? I know your manager is going to say you shouldn't do it, but right. I love you. Yeah. So. <laughs> now you mentioned that you shot this in eight days. Now there had to have been some challenges, weren't there? Well, the uh, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, well, there's always challenges. I mean, I think the biggest challenge, but it it it, it turned it, it turned out great. Is um, 
it, the biggest challenge I think is you, you just don't get a lot of takes. So you got to have actors that pull it off. Unfortunately, it, it, it worked fantastic, but it's like, there'd be two takes and then we'd move. And it's like, that's, you know, and run the race. There's, you know, some scenes where I could have a setup and I could do eight takes or nine takes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so I, that, I think that is challenging where there's, there's a couple moments where I'd be watching the monitor and I'd be like, Oh, I don't know if we got it. Matt's like, ah, we got it. And I, you know, he's my director. <laughs> so I have faith in it. It's like, okay, well we got to move anyways. And the other thing I think is scope is like, it's hard to shoot lots of, you, you can't shoot big, huge set pieces or things that have to be, um, cause when you see a lot of space, you then obviously have to have lots of light, lots of crew and, um, and lots of time. And so, I think, which it's funny. I thought I would really, I would really miss it in here, and I don't. I, I actually, um, it feels very intimate and stuff. But um, there's, it's a character-driven piece. So there's not a lot of big, like wide vista shots of some sort or anything. I mean, we don't, we never had to light up a whole, you know, house to walk through the whole thing or anything. So, um, so anyway, so it's like there's those kind of logistic things. But you know, you just have to bang through them. And and I think if we did it, like I was talking with my DP Chris Kimlin, and you know, he does my stuff. He does the Irwin Brothers. And, and, you know, and he's, he's got tons of, you know, lights and crews and he's able to do all this stuff. And we were talking about, I was like, if you don't have that and you actually don't have the luxury of it, you have to force yourself to kind of be quick and nimble. Like you actually, you can do it. You know what I mean? It's like you, 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 you do it because you have the luxury, like the time and all the lighting and the, all that it takes all that to get it perfect. It's like most people would never know if you took two hours to set up that last can- that last light or something, or right. If, if it wasn't there, you know what I mean? Like, unless it's blatant. So, I mean, just the point of like, I mean, I, I know on, on the last, this last movie I shot, the Shonda Pierce movie, there was a scene where we literally had this huge 20 by 20 block in the sun and da, 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 da. And then I thought we had got the shot and Chris was like, oh my gosh, we did not get that shot. And we didn't have time to put the thing back up because we have to break for lunch. And so we had to shoot, shoot it totally different. And it turned out so much more interesting. And we literally, just had to turn around and shoot it. Do you know what I mean? Like we, yeah. the way we had it done, it was it was better that we had to literally think of something off the cuff and go. So, anyways, I think you when you get that going and that energy and stuff, I think actually there's a lot of good and fun stuff that comes out of it. So sometimes it's almost like a crutch if you have all the time and um, you know. Was was this shot during the pandemic? Uh, no, we so it was la- I mean, it was just right coming into it. We shot it in January last year, and then we edited it. Um, during the pandemic. Wow. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's awesome. So when, yeah. when can people officially buy it? I know you said in February, people can, can get the live stream, the streaming uh, from Amazon on, and every, everywhere else, but can you buy it that same yeah. day? Yeah. February, yeah. February 9th. Um, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the way to do it. It's the way to go. So February 9th, we can buy it. Where can we buy it? Uh, you'll be able to buy like the streaming, like on Amazon and wherever you stream. Um, mm-hmm. Or you can go to manfromnowheremovie.com. Manfromnowheremovie.com, which not to be confused with this amazing, great remake of this Korean movie that's also coming out, I think, next year. <laughs> called Man From Nowhere. Very different. Very different. Uh, okay. Um, the the poster is very different. There's no Korean actors in the poster. Yes. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, you'll be able to tell which is which. Absolutely. So let me ask you this two questions before we leave. If you had to go back in time to give one piece of advice 
to a 20-year-old or a 16-year-old, um, what would you tell yourself? Specifically to the industry? Uh, any or advice, just... but only one piece of advice you can give yourself. What Man, would that um... be? Jeez, like deep philosophical questions coming at me now. That's <laughs> um, like Columbo. Oh, and just one more thing. Here's <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, um, man, I would. I, I probably would say it's not that serious. Like, I think it's so hard right now with social media and and trying to keep up with the Jones and feeling less than and um, and I would just say, man, just like relax, like just try to enjoy life. I, and I know it's, it's easier said than done, but, um, I think that's the hardest thing, man. I, I just look at my friends and, 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 you know, they're older and I've got younger friends and younger actors I work with. And it's just really hard to just relax and be in the moment. And, um, and I need, I need that too. Um, so, so I think I would say, man, just don't, it's, it's life. Don't take it so serious. Like enjoy it. Make sure you're enjoying it because again, it goes fast man. we're here and gone. And it's like, what a bummer if you just waste your whole life trying to chase other people and, and other things and, 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 you know, not find the value that you have because God loves you. Like, it's, yeah. You know, what's, again. Well, you know, what's crazy. I ask a lot of people the same question and they give the same, usually the same answer you give. It's always amazing to me. Well, maybe there's, <laughs> maybe there's something to it. Then. Or, or maybe we just all plagiarize each other. because we're, you know, writers and people. <laughs> Now, there are writers right now, that's where you were 15 years ago, 16 years ago, that's struggling or wondering, is, is this, am I supposed to do this? What piece of advice would you tell them? Man, there's, it's, there's, a, there's, the, there's a hard piece of it, and then there's, a, there's a, um, a hopeful piece of it. The hard piece is like, And I, and I get it, man. Like I, if I could be anything, I'd be a, 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 you know, a rock and roll singer, <laughs> but I just, I don't have that talent. Can't play an instrument. Can't sing. So, um, you know, my, my dreams of playing in the NBA, they were gone in junior high. <laughs> so I would just say like, you have to be, you have to be honest. First of all, like, are you, are you good? And I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I hate to say that, but it's like, um, if you're getting feedback from people and, and not just your mom and your dad, but like, Hey, you know, this is problematic. They're not good. Then I think you should think about, okay, you know, is it a hobby, which is awesome. And do I go try to do something else? Um, but if, if you, if you're good and you're, I mean, you know, if you're getting good feedback and you feel like there is a chance there, um, I would say if you really love it, two things get involved. So, I mean, That means, you know, get involved with groups, uh, try to shoot things. If you got to be a PA on something just to get in and start meeting people, like just getting into systems and, and flows and groups of people. I think that is really big. And then I think if, if it is your thing and you're so passionate about it and, you know, there's some talent, then keep writing. I mean, keep writing every, you know, you'll go back and you think your first script is so great because it's, it's so, per it's usually the real personable one you're writing from your personal experience and this, and you'll go back and read it like 15 years later and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, you know, so you're going to get better with everything you're writing each time and, and let people honestly critique you. I, I've got like three guys that I send my scripts to and I'm always and that's, wide open. I'm, that's I'm a good, waiting to hear what they say. That's a good question. How do you take criticism? You, you yourself. Yeah, you gotta. You, you, I, I mean, I'm I'm at the point now where I'm I'm jaded and I've got thick skin, so it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Um, but 
I think I think with anything um, in life, again, it's, it's not about taking something so serious. It's like don't take stuff so personal. I mean, I think I've been I'm pr- I'm pretty good about not taking things personal. So if I mean I've gotten I've gotten feedback where it's I mean they like hated it, like hated hated it. And I'm like okay, well you know it's <laughs> cool. But then, but then I can send that I can send that script to another uh, production company. I'll get posi- I'll get positive feedback. So it's just like. Cool, man. It's subjective. Just like I watch movies and I go, God, that was terrible. Right. And my buddy's like, I love that movie. And I'm like, and I, and I, my brain cannot comprehend how you could like that movie. And then we dissect it and I go, tell me all the good things. Tell me the bad things. And to them, all these things that I think are just so bad. They're like, no, no, that was pretty good. And I'm like, oh, I don't understand you. But <laughs> it just made me realize how subjective, you know, art is. And also I, I will say the, the, the longer I've been out here, the more I realize I have absolutely no idea how things get done. If that makes sense. <laughs> so Chris has been such a real pleasure. I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me. How can people follow you, follow your journey and continue to support your career? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a dinosaur, so I'm not really like big on this <laughs> social media, but, um, but like I do have a, I have a Instagram account that I occasionally do things on that's uh, Chris <laughs> underscore Dowling underscore director. Um, I, again, I, I'm not super active with it, but I post things about what we're doing. And a lot of, if I'm shooting stuff, I do like to post stuff on there, but it's, you know, it's mainly my friends and stuff, but, um, you know, I'm always down and, um, and then I'm, you know, I'm on Facebook or whatever, but, um, but, and people definitely, uh, should go to manfromnowheremovie.com and give it a look. Absolutely. Tell about it. So the man from nowhere comes out February 9th. Make sure you get it, buy it, stream it. However you can get it, just yeah, get it. Yeah, I mean, it. dude, if you want to, buy 37 <laughs> copies, right, Marty? Each exactly. Person, if, you, if each person just bought 37 copies, it'd be great. That, would, that sounds like a plan. Let's do that. <laughs> so if you're listening, okay, you, Marty, go, you first. <laughs> go buy 37 copies. I'm going to buy my 37 copies, and you buy your 37 copies, and give it to 36 friends. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Chris, thanks again for joining me. I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Are you looking for a safe environment to watch movies and shows? Well, look no further. 24 Flicks is your answer. You can watch thousands of movies, TV shows, without ever worrying about sexual content, nudity, or offensive language. You can get started with a free two-week trial with zero obligations. Watch on your mobile device, on your smart TV, anytime, anywhere. Sign up today on your smart device or go to www.24flicks.com, the home of unlimited family entertainment.